0: Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Friday, January 8th. We begin with our weekly conversation with Mayor Nahed Nenshi. We speak with the mayor about the continuing travel gate scandal and whether or not he believes he's done enough to gain back the trust of frustrated Calgarians.
1: Next, we head stateside for an update on the fallout of Wednesday's riots at the U.S. Capitol building. We get the latest on
0: a wild week in Washington with Global's Washington Bureau Chief Jackson Prosco. Are you responsible for spreading misinformation online? We speak with a professor of interdisciplinary studies on this growing problem and the importance of thinking before you click. And
1: finally, we end the week on a heartwarming note. We speak with a Calgary mom on the hunt for a Rubbermaid lunch tote for her autistic son. His favorite lunch container, no longer in production, now incredibly rare. So details on how social media came through and the happy ending that took a village to achieve. Well, it's been dubbed travel gate with politicians heading out of Canada over the holidays and it led to a lot of anger and frustration from Albertans. And this week, the mayor spoke out and said he had approved two of his staffers leaving Canada and the anger erupted again. Joining us now is Calgary Mayor Nahed Nenshi. Good morning, Mr. Mayor.
2: Good morning. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy, Happy to be back.
1: Happy New Year to you, too. Okay, well, we've got to talk about it because we've certainly been getting a lot of feedback from our listeners. I mean, you admitted this week you should have pushed back harder on your your team's travel plans, but should there be further repercussions here, Mayor?
2: Well, I think the word approved is, is the important word that you raised there, Angela, because as you know, no employer can actually say, this is what you can do on your vacation and this is what you can't do. So it's not really a matter of anyone asking for permission, saying, can I do this? You know, you can approve the vacation days, um, and you can tell people there's general policy saying you can't do things that are wrong or illegal or whatever. But the, the challenge here, and I, I don't want to cast blame because people have a right to be angry and upset, but there's kind of two points I think that are important. The first is we should treat public servants differently than politicians, uh, particularly in the case where these are career public servants, were following what they thought were the government's, uh, the government of Alberta's orders. And, you know, they, they have some expectation of a little bit of privacy in their lives, but we as politicians did, you know, signed up. <laughs> we signed up for this. But the second thing I think that's important is that the province was giving some real mixed messages. You know, at the end of November, they made an announcement saying that Hawaii to Alberta, and that's why we're hearing so much about Hawaii in particular, it's the only place in the world where they said Hawaii to Alberta was a safe travel corridor, uh, and people could travel safely and responsibly to there, while at the same time discouraging non-essential travel. And I think that people who don't follow this super closely had every right to be confused about what the rules really were. And about 2,500 people from Calgary specifically went to Hawaii based on what the government was saying about travel to Hawaii. So I don't think it's fair after the fact to say to somebody, you know, you're not a politician. You followed what you thought the rules were. But in order for this politician to look better or to save my own skin, I'm sorry, but I'm going to ruin your livelihood and your reputation. That's not who I am. And I would never do that. And certainly I wish that I had pushed back a lot harder. You know, I was in the middle of some very challenging weeks uh, in December, probably the toughest of my 10 years. And this was just not something that I stopped and went, hey, hold on. You know, have you thought about all of these things as hard as I should have?
0: Mayor, we received an email from a city employee. That says uh, this was, uh, you know, for months, the messaging we have been getting in our regular emails from the city manager, from our department general manager, and even our business unit director is to stay at home. At one point, there was even the messaging of stay at home or else. A colleague in another business unit with the city was told that despite the fact that they work from home, if they left the country, they would not be able to perform their duties despite working from home while in isolation and may face disciplinary action. So I'm wondering, is this a, a one-off city department, or w- was there nothing like this uh, sent across the board to city employees?
2: There's actually a ton of guidance uh, for from the city to managers on how to manage this issue, and it really is about saying to employees, look, you got to take on the risk yourself. So it is true that we are not encouraging people who are working from home to work outside of Alberta. There's insurance issues and workers' compensation issues, but people are certainly working from home. Um, the city's insurance will not cover you if you catch COVID while you're traveling. So if people are traveling, they do need to get additional insurance and so on and so on and so on. But fundamentally, uh, the rules are such that if you're in a quarantine period, then if you are working from home anyway, you can continue to work from home. If you're sick, of course, you can get sickly. Um, if you are um, not able to work from home, you have to use your vacation days for the quarantine or it's unpaid time off. Uh, That's quarantine related to travel, not quarantine obviously related to having a contact in the workplace. So there is a lot of guidance on this. A lot of labor folks and human resources folks have really been thinking about how do you actually manage this situation as a whole? The thing I should mention though, uh, not to forget is part of the special program about Hawaii as well as the Calgary Airport is that the quarantine period has been massively shortened only for travelers who are cho- whose first port of call is the Calgary Airport. Again, the government of Alberta and the government of Canada saying that if you're traveling through Calgary, you get tested at the airport and your quarantine can be as small as one day. And so, you know, as I say, a lot of mixed messaging here.
1: And you know, uh, Mayor, it's eight seventeen. We're going to ask you to hang over if we can sure. for just a couple of minutes. But you could say the same things for Jason Kenny and the provincial politicians as well. And yet, you know, resign Kenny. The hashtag is is certainly trending, and and there are a lot of people angry. It's it's about the optics. So if we can talk to you about that in just a couple of minutes when we come back from commercials. Hundred percent. Okay. You. Perfect. Thanks. It is eight seventeen. Time for helicopter traffic.
0: 8.19 on the morning news. More with Mayor Nahed Nenshi. And, uh, you know, Mayor, uh, one thing I want to give you huge kudos for is when you had uh, mentioned uh, during your, uh, your, I guess you'd say, press conference. Uh, but nevertheless, you, you came out and said it like it was from your standpoint. And one of the things you said was you're not going to, you know, fire people to save face, to, to save your position. I appreciate that because I'm not a huge fan of cancel culture. However, what I did hear from Danielle, which, is, which made me think, is that to a certain extent, you might be the reason that we're under the restrictions and have been under the restrictions because you had said that the city of Calgary will implement their own restrictions. So you can understand the optics and, and why people mm-hmm. are upset. So I guess to a certain extent, there's, you are not denying that you understand people's frustration.
2: No, not at all. People have every right to be angry and frustrated. Look, I'm kind of angry. I, I, I'd rather be talking to you about something else today. Um, But ultimately, this is what we need um, to really face. And, you know, uh, I I, I like that Danielle gives me that kind of power. (laughs) Um, But, you know, one of the things is, and I hate drawing fine distinctions, because ultimately we all live in one place and we all have to do what's right for one another. But, you know, ultimately, that, that is also one of the differences between me and the provincial government, which is with the exception of the mask bylaw, the city doesn't set these rules. My job is to lobby My job is to communicate and to encourage people to follow them and to watch the data to see how things are changing and repeat the cycle again. You know, the differences in the provincial government and the premier staff, these are the folks actually setting the rules who are around the table doing that work. And again, I don't want to blame them, but I think it's important for people to understand that distinction as well.
1: Uh, you know, we talk about optics and, and I think, you know, a lot of the problem with Jason Kenney and a lot of the heat that he's taking is that he just really doesn't seem to be terribly contrite about not being in control of his politicians leaving the province after telling everybody to stay home. And I think that's what we hear a lot too, Mayor, is that people feel yeah. like you're not you're not really all that sorry about it or that's the way it seems.
2: Oh, I'm horribly sorry about it. I'm horribly sorry about it. Uh, I think it's awful. And uh, and I really wish that I had done much more, everything in my power, to prevent this from happening. And I really apologize that I dropped the ball on that in a very big way. But at the same time, what do you do now, right? Do you show that you're sorry by wrecking somebody else who thought they were doing the right thing? And it, it's, I just can't do that.
0: I appreciate your time and appreciate your candor on this, uh, Mr. Mailer, or Mr. Mayor. And, uh, you know, uh, we'll uh, be checking in uh, next week. And, uh, you know, cooler heads hopefully will yeah. prevail by that point. I you know, Thanks I, very I, much.
2: And what, one thing I just should say to just squeeze it in is, you know, I've been hearing some people say, is this going to make other people less likely to follow the restrictions? And I just got to say, you can't cut off your nose to spite your face. We're still in a very dangerous situation, particularly with the schools opening again. And regardless and how frustrating it is to say, I've been doing the right thing for months. I haven't seen my grandma for so long. Look at these guys. We just got to keep trying to keep one another safe. That that has not changed.
0: Thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you all. That is Mayor Nahid Nenshi. 708 on the morning news. And yes, the turmoil continues stateside following the riots on Wednesday and ultimately the Capitol building being compromised. Of course, we do know that Joe Biden has been certified within that Capitol building late on Wednesday. But we have to get to the latest, and it seems to be changing each and every hour and each and every day. So with the details, we're joined by Global's Jackson Prosco, of course, a Washington Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning to you, Jackson. Good morning. The, the latest would be, what, 12 hours ago, maybe around that mark of a press conference with Donald Trump. This is the closest thing that we've heard to Donald Trump conceding, isn't it?
3: Yeah, not quite a press conference. He released a pre-recorded message, but he essentially said that, uh, yes, there will be a new administration coming in on the 20th as a result of the Electoral College vote being counted. That's his way of saying Joe Biden will be the next president without saying Joe Biden's name. <laughs> uh, and then he also, you know, condemned violence. He essentially turned on his own supporters who he had urged just the day before to march up to the Capitol building.
1: Why did that happen, Jackson? Because it, somebody had to have said something that that made him change his tone was it the you know potential invoking of the 25th was it you know the fact that the the, the democrats wanted to uh, to try him again what what prompted this do you think
3: Uh, It could be any one of about six different things. The threat of the 25th Amendment, uh, the fact that, yes, Democrats are quite likely going to move ahead with impeachment again next week, and they've got Republicans on board with that. The fact that pro-Republican media outlets like the Wall Street Journal are calling for Trump's resignation. And the fact that, as some scholars have suggested, Trump may even have legal exposure himself for inciting his own supporters to riot at the Capitol building.
0: Okay, Jackson, if you can break down, if if you say next week that we could have the 25th Amendment invoked, uh, we're at next week. We're a week away, really, uh, from the inauguration. So what would the significance of an impeachment be in the middle of next week or early next week when we're that close to the finish line for his presidency? Is this to prevent perhaps pardoning perhaps even himself?
3: Yeah, impeachment would serve a couple of things at this point. Uh, it may not pass. There may not be enough Republicans to pass it, but it essentially would put Republicans on the record as whether they supported the violent insurrection at the Capitol building or not. That's one thing they would do. Number two is it could actually prevent Donald Trump from running again in 2024. If he's impeached, he can't run again. And number three, it's to send a message about all this. And you're right. It, it sort of, uh, it speaks to the concern that many have about Trump's final days in office and the amount of damage he could potentially do even just in these final 12 days. I think the remedy that would be easiest for everyone is if Trump just sort of went away quietly and just sat quietly on the sidelines. But there's not a lot of confidence that he's actually going to do that.
1: No, he certainly hasn't done that in four years. Nobody's expecting it to happen. But, you know, speaking of the Republican Party, we're seeing an exodus of, of really high ranking people who are really trying to distance themselves at this point.
3: Yeah, no surprise here at all. And I think the bigger surprise is that uh, some are still staying on board. They're caught in this tough spot of uh, worrying perhaps about who would replace them in the cabinet if they were to step aside now. Uh, so I think there is sort of a, uh, a rush for the exits, but not everybody can fit through the doorway at the same time.
0: Well, incredible stuff. (laughs) And and from the standpoint of uh, Joe Biden, president like Joe Biden and uh, Kamala Harris uh, coming in, uh, obviously it's it's not going to be as as smooth as it's going to be. Uh, They've got their work cut out for them, particularly with the happenings of of the past uh, few weeks. and, And this week when it comes to a country divided.
3: They do. And of course, the person who could make life a lot easier for them is still Donald Trump. He needs to come out and forcefully say Joe Biden is a legitimately elected president and there was no fraud. He's still not doing that, even as he condemns violent protesters. And that is effectively why he is finding so little support right now. Uh, Biden, interestingly enough, is not actively calling for impeachment or the removal of the president. I mean, that's not really his role right now. He's not in the government. He'll leave that up to Democrats. Uh, but I think he just sort of wants to step back from all of that. And of course, I think he Recognizes There is a risk that um, if lawmakers move too swiftly, it could actually get Trump supporters fired up and really sort of do the wrong thing, do what they're trying to avoid.
1: And we should point out yet again, there has been absolutely no evidence, nothing proven about voter fraud whatsoever in the election. Uh, you know, and I, we just got a, a text in from somebody saying uh, Twitter has told Trump that, well, for 12 hours anyway, who was banned, but Facebook and Instagram have banned him for at least the next two weeks because he's reckless, and yet there are concerns that he does have the authority to, say, launch nuclear weapons. It is a, a kind of a, a wacky world that way
3: which is exactly why democrats say it's so urgent that they push ahead with impeachment or removal one way or another that's why they say there is still a danger here in these final two weeks so i think i think you you get the sense here that unless the president is either fully fully willing to concede and admit there was no voter fraud that he had lied to his own supporters even about the fact that uh, mike pence could somehow overturn what he couldn't overturn uh you know the situation is not just going to magically de-escalate
0: let's talk about the coronavirus because that is another huge topic in fact Record-breaking, is is the correct number 4,000 deaths in a 24-hour period?
3: Yes that's a new uh, awful record in this country and the number number of hospitalizations as well is just abysmally high it is uh, I haven't checked the numbers lately, but it is uh, around one hundred and thirty three thousand people in hospital right now that is just uh, it is out of control here right now and there's you know there is no effort to control it right now uh, most places have uh, you know been reluctant to return to lockdowns although there are some in places like California but look uh, LA county alone yesterday had more than twenty thousand cases and and several hundred deaths just in la county
1: does it seem that you know president-elect joe biden has said when he comes in he will start enforcing mask usage etc does there seem to be support for him to come in and and really start to do something to try and get these numbers under control
3: yeah, I mean, I think he's in a tough spot here because there's only so much he can do. So Biden can call for a national mask mandate, but he can't actually legislate it. Uh, he can, you know, le- what he can legislate, for example, is you have to wear a mask on what they call interstate travel, which is if you're on a bus, train or plane traveling between two states. That's something the federal government can regulate. The rest is up to the states. And the difficulty, of course, that Biden is going to encounter here is that, uh, for example, anti-maskism is so ingrained in half the population that supported President Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, anti lockdown views are so ingrained in a widespread portion of the population that there's just no there's no unity there's no sense of national cohesiveness on how to respond to this national crisis
0: of course the, the vaccine is now on the ground and uh, you know it, it seems to be a, the case that more and more are being approved every week or so so i'm wondering if you can give us the latest update on the vaccine rollout in the u.s how's it going
3: uh, well behind schedule. The Trump administration had promised that up to 20 million people would be vaccinated by the end of December. Here we are now into January, and uh, we're only at about 5.5 million. A lot of doses have been distributed to locations across the country, but the needles aren't actually going into arms as nearly as fast as anybody had promised.
1: And just seeing, uh, Jackson just came down this morning, I don't know if you've seen it yet from the New York Times, it's a uh, U.S. losing 140,000 jobs in December, so big drop in employment, uh, first one since April... Uh, because of the resurgence of the the uh, COVID numbers.
3: Exactly. And this is this is the whole thing. All along, Republicans and Trump argued that locking down the economy and shutting it down was too big of a price to pay for getting the virus under control. But the fact of the matter is the virus is not under control. And so even if things are open, people are not going out to stores and restaurants because they don't feel that it's safe to do so. They don't have confidence in things like travel even right now. So uh, the fact of the matter is that the economy is going to continue to suffer uh, for as long as the virus remains uh, rampant in this country.
0: Jackson, just a little over, uh, a little less rather than two weeks from Inauguration Day. I would think that uh, the actions that uh, took place on Wednesday will uh, perhaps change the way that inauguration will be looking as far as uh, security and the heightened amount of security.
3: Yeah, we saw uh, yesterday a new non-scalable fence go up around the Capitol building. And there are uh, thousands of National Guard troops now here in the city as well, just to sort of uh, maintain a security perimeter in and around the Capitol building. And yes, I'm sure there's going to be tremendous concern about the safety and security of the inauguration itself. We should point out, though, because of the pandemic, it had already been scaled back. You weren't going to see a traditional parade, for example. Uh, Joe Biden was essentially going to be uh, driven to the White House uh, quickly because they don't want people gathering and, and risking spread the virus so that does make security slightly easier but man there are some very tough questions about the security lapses that happened this week and then now how you keep Biden uh, safe during the inauguration and the days
1: after you're not kidding that's certainly going to be something to watch thank you so much for that all you did for us this week really appreciate you and Reggie joining us and have a great weekend have a great weekend that is Jackson Prosco, who is Washington's bureau chief for Global News
0: from the pandemic to a tumultuous election down south, 2020 has been a tough year for many. But one professor says a good start for 2021 would be to help stop the spread of misinformation that can cause negativity and radical outcomes. J. Gris Hodson, an associate professor of interdisciplinary studies at Royal Roads University, joins us now with more. Good morning to you, J. Gris. Good morning. This is interesting. Uh, let's talk about uh, when we say misinformation and uh, this concept. Is this people intentionally spreading misinformation, or you know, just by happenstance spreading information that is false?
4: That's a really great question because a lot of people don't understand the nature of misinformation. Now, both uh, categories that you just talked about are covered. So. This information can include disinformation which is people spreading misinformation deliberately to achieve an economic or political end for example but it also includes those of us that you know don't know and we're just you know we spread it because we think it's true uh, and then that just allows the misinformation to travel that much farther
1: So is this maybe where we uh, come up with a new new year's resolution and that's to check something before we hit share perhaps for 2021? That's
4: exactly
1: right, and this is
4: my New Year's resolution for 2021. And I'm urging everybody else, challenging uh, you know Canadians to also adopt a similar resolution. Um, I like to call it the "Think Before You Click" uh, resolution.
0: Think before you click, but I, I think that yes, research as well, like a little bit deeper than just you know looking at an article. We have to find those you know, resources that we can count on because it can be so hard. It could be a case of too much information out there to even, you know, wade through it all.
4: That is absolutely correct. Information overload is part of the problem. But the reason why I call it think before you click is because when we tend to spread misinformation, my research has shown that we do it because we feel that information is really true. We have a strong emotion. We need our friends and family to know this information. So maybe we think the information helps us um, mitigate a risk, uh, like with COVID, or maybe we think, you know, it's uncovering an injustice in the world or maybe we think it's revealing something about you know political opponents or or that sort of thing and then we act on that feeling we feel this must be right so we share it right away without stopping and doing that checking that you just talked about um so that's why i say think before you click because whenever you feel that strong emotion or you feel something to be right that's exactly when you should stop You know, think and then do that critical digging, that looking, you know, see if you can find the information elsewhere and where it comes from.
1: But I think that's part of the problem, isn't it? When we feel that emotion and we feel so strongly about something. I mean, most of us can look at a lot of these conspiracy theories and say, how could you possibly believe that? But there are a lot of folks that do, let's face it. So because you're emotionally invested in that.
4: That's correct, and there's a lot of reasons why people believe, and so we can't just say, "Oh, you know, those people don't have all the information or they're stupid or something that's nice. It's, it's a very rational um, you know approach to understanding your world uh, when you when you sort of understand where these people are coming from. sometimes, People believe in these theories because it helps them connect with others socially, and social bonds are really important to human beings. Other times it helps people explain things that maybe aren't quite explainable. And again, that's why when you have that feeling, this must be true, this feels true, this feels right to me, um, that's exactly when you need to stop and take that extra step.
0: Griss, it's very important to, you know, uh, get the words and ideas and news from experts in their field when it comes to, for example, even COVID-19 for that matter, or any news item. However, sometimes we get information from people who might not be experts, but we know who they are because their celebrities are notable people on different social platforms. If you can talk about the difference between the two. Thank you
4: so much. Yeah, it's- Actually, in Edmonton, Tim Caulfield at the University of Alberta has done a lot of work on this. And basically, he you know shows that you know, celebrities, you know, let's take Gwyneth Paltrow as an example with her you know health advice. Um, we think we trust them because we sort of had relationships with them over time. We watch all their movies. Maybe we read what they write on the internet. And because they have such a high standing in our lives, we think that you know, maybe they know a few things about other issues. You know, healthcare being one example. But you have to remember that. Just because somebody is famous doesn't mean that they have expertise in this other area that they're breaking into. And, you know, this goes for you know, even professors at universities, right? So, for example, if somebody is an economics professor, but they're talking to you maybe about how to keep yourself safe during COVID, um, maybe you need to... B- Back up that information. Find somebody else who's saying the same thing mm. from a healthcare perspective, right? So it's not just celebrities. It could be people who are experts in one area and then trying to stretch outside that area. Not that they can't do it, but that's when we need to be
1: extra careful. Think before you click in 2021. Thanks for joining us, Jagris. Thanks for having me. That is Jagris Hodson, Associate Professor of Interdisciplinary Studies, at Royal Roads University. 919 on your Friday morning and we chatted a little earlier about a story that originated on Facebook and I just happened to hit share because it touched me and I thought it was really neat and and something that could be easily achieved if we all work together. And Andy, you pointed out this is a a positive example of what social media can do. So this was a story that was shared on a Facebook page that I belong to, a group um, saying it was a mom from here in Calgary who's looking for this exact Rubbermaid container she showed a picture for. She says it's a decade old. They don't sell it anymore. She's checked secondhand shops, has looked endlessly for years, and is now reaching out for help to find it because she's got a son who's special needs. He doesn't understand a lot of things she says and can be very quirky. And this is one of them, his school lunch container. His food has to be in this container or he simply won't eat. So she's looking for this particular little piece of Rubbermaid container to put his food in. And the mom, Caroline, is joining us now to uh, to wrap up this story for us. Hi, Caroline. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Sue. This is really neat because, you know, I, you shared it. I shared it, I'm sure. Well, I think it looks like thousands of people literally have shared this story, haven't they?
5: They have. I've heard people going through uh, to reaching out to their families in PEI as far as that, and people willing to ship it. You know, it's it's incredible. I think we've hit about fifty thousand as far as you know group numbers are, and I've had not a
1: single negative comment. I think that's really special. And the best part of all of this is, I know I've tracked down. I think I have three that I'm going to pick up for you after work today. How many have you found? I found three um I've had a woman unfortunately for some
5: bizarre reason I'm deep in the southwest and they've all been far far um up north. Good,
1: I'm in the north and all of mine are in the I'm- south so we'll trade our people.
5: <laughs> yeah, but I I it's just it's heartwarming. Um it's my son will be using this uh literally for the rest of his life and so they will be cherished and they won't be just thrown away in, in into another Drawer or anything like that, this will mean a lot to us and it it would just minimize a lot of issues.
0: Carolyn, you know, a lot of parents aren't in your shoes, but a lot of parents could perhaps very much relate to something that means so much to their child. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to an item like this, it was super rare, no longer in production. Uh, to use a sports analogy, this was a bit of a Hail Mary pass <laughs> to try to find one. So I'm wondering the emotion you felt when you found out that somebody, A, had one of these containers, and B, was willing to, to, to help out and lend a hand?
5: Full-on ugly cry, I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it was, I was a mess. Um, I didn't think I'd ever cry over a Rubbermaid container, but I did um, because it, it meant so much to me. And I think it was, I've reached out to Rubbermaid approximately, I don't know, I want to say about five years ago, and it was already retired then. It was out of production. So I knew, you know, I mean, the search has been, constant and there's been none. You know, we do have one that we use but sometimes it gets washed or it just didn't make it into the lunch kit because somebody used it by accident and it's just it is, it's a complete disaster at that
1: point well you know your message to me when you and I were messaging back and forth last night is you never wanted or thought that your struggle was worthy of this kind of support and I would completely argue with that because I think just about every parent out there as Andy said we've all got quirky kids but to be a you know a parent of a special needs kid that just adds to the the job that we all have out there so I I'm so glad that everybody stepped out uh, to help you out and people were really into it, sharing it and excited to be able to be the one that maybe had this, this container that they could help you with.
5: Right. And, and, and in this, in the midst of this negative world and pandemic there, there are good hearted people out there. There are people just, you know, waiting, um, just showing kindness and it's just overwhelming. It's, it's I I literally have no words.
1: Well, it's a little thing, but it's a big thing. And uh, I'm glad that, you know, we can just be a little part of, of sharing the story and, and glad that you found the container that you need and maybe a couple of extras.
5: <laughs> yes, that's, uh, yeah, I will cherish all of them and it will be kept.
1: And he, I'm pretty sure would use it into his retirement. Thank you so much for joining us. And, uh, and congratulations. It's a find, we've got it. And uh, way to go, Calgary. They, they really stepped up. Everybody did, didn't they? Thank you. Thanks, Carolyn. Thank Caroline. you so much.